everyone. We're so glad you joined us for our monthly lymphedema patient webinar. And I see that you're all logging on right now. So I'll take this time to make some introductions. This month is set aside for you. You may have a lymphopress pump. You may not. Whatever. You're here because you care about lymphedema. And we're here because we care about lymphedema and making sure you get the best care possible. I'm Brenda Viola, and I work for LymphaPress, and I'm happy to be your host and moderator this evening. We are honored to have Jeanette Zucker from the National Lymphedema Network. Hey, Jeanette, so great to have you here with us today. Thank you. We have veteran fighting lymphedema. Let's do the pow, pow, pow. Kelly Bell, it's so nice to have you on the panel tonight. Mary Castleberg is a primary lymphedema patient and a compression therapy consultant and lymphedema advocate. She works for LymphaPress, and Mary, it's always great to have you. We missed you last month, so welcome back, friend. Thank you. Happy to be yeah. back. We're glad to have you. And my friend, Angela Jones, who is a shining spirit. She is a health and nutrition coach. She also has lipolymphedema and often offers really wonderful life wisdom that we can all glean from. Joining us later will be Cam Ayella, who is also one of our lymphedema compression therapy consultants and a national advocate. Hey, there he is. You know, as if on cue. There he is, but he is showing up as Mary Castleberg on his screen for some reason, but we know you're not. We know you are Cam Ayella, and Catherine Rosenberg is also on our screen tonight. She'll be joining us in a little bit. We never know who's going to show up at the Lymphedema Patient Roundtable, but we are sure glad that you are here. We want you to pose your questions in chat. We want to also say that we're not going to offer any specific medical advice to those of you who are out there tonight, but if we can offer general wisdom, and we certainly want to encourage you, please feel free to put your questions in chat and just to say hello. We'd like to know where you're from. We'd like to know who's out there tonight. And I want to start with you, Cam, because you are about to win an award from LEARN, the Lymphedema Education and Research Network. And it's called the Courage Award. And we want you to know that we acknowledge your courage and what you have done for the lymphedema community and how you have muscled through some real challenges this year. And I know you just recently had yet another procedure. Do you want to give us an update, Kim? Sure. Um, so for those of you who don't know, I'm a primary lymphedema patient. I mostly present in my right leg. And one issue that a lot of lymphedema patients can face is episodes of reoccurrences of infection. And my infections have not been cellulitis. That's pretty common for lymphedema patients. But I've had osteomyelitis, which essentially is chronic infection of the bone. And so um, to save my leg and prevent an above-knee amputation, I consulted with my lymphedema surgeon and my orthopedic oncologist, and I just had uh, part one of a total knee replacement. So right there, that's not even a real knee. I have a cement oh my space goodness. in there. Talk about a visual, Cam. <laughs> Inner time. Seeing is, seeing is believing. Um, and I know a lot of lymphedema patients are nervous or scared to have any type of orthopedic or any surgical intervention because of uh, exacerbating the lymphedema. So I encourage you, any lymphedema patients, if you already have lymphedema or you're at risk for it and you're getting surgery, make sure that your orthopedic staff is aware of that because I had some complications. They weren't aware of the proper protocols for compression wrapping of a lymphedema patient. So I actually wow. had a lot of painful swelling that was not addressed immediately and, and could have caused long-term damage. But fortunately, um, even Miss Nazarene, the lymphedema therapist from the Cleveland Clinic, she offered some great advice that I lent to my healthcare team here in Houston. And so I'm on the mend, still have a long journey to go, but truly the, uh, the lymphedema community has, has been there from day one and has given me the courage to speak up for you guys. So Thanks again for having me. We're excited for tonight's conversation. We have great people out there. Anna from New Jersey, Tammy Beatty, Sean Mulrooney. Sean Mulrooney, we love you. We're so glad you're out there. Lisa Burtock. And we also have some questions that have already come in. And so I want to pose this one of you, Jeanette. 
Teresa Fitzgerald just finished a book and she was thinking about Nordic pole walking. She has lymphedema in her left arm. She tries to walk at least three miles a day. She usually gets five to six miles a day. I'm impressed, Teresa. What do you think about Nordic pole walking? Any thoughts on that, Jeanette? Well, you know, I think that the most important thing is exercise. So, um, you know, I think that with exercise, as long as you find a routine, a regimen, a type that works well for you, um, that, you know, the sky is really the limit. The main thing with exercise, any kind, is, you know, you want to make sure that you know your body, you work within your uh, level of comfort. Uh, like, you know, if whatever your current level of fitness is, in order to make fitness gains, you have to push yourself a little bit but not too much. When people push themselves too much is where you start to have the post-inflammatory response where you'll have like the muscle tears and it takes a long time for those muscle tears to repair themselves. Um, so as long as you know, you're comfortable and you're progressing very slowly, like one parameter at a time, where five to six miles a day is amazing. And so the thing would be like to not do 10 miles tomorrow, you know, but to do maybe six, six and a quarter and you start to slowly build it up and you know and other than that i think um i i encourage teresa to continue with the nordic walking so um but of course like with any exercise program you want to make sure that you're being monitored and followed by a healthcare professional because they'll know your histories better and they'll know you know what to what limits you can push yourself or what you yeah. should not do. So as long as you're, you're, you have your team um, supporting you, from a lymphedema standpoint, the sky's the limit. It's so good. Movement is so important. And if you can move, move. It's excellent for you. Thank you, Jeanette. I also want to mention, though Jeanette is the head of the National Lymphedema Network, she is also a certified lymphedema therapist and an expert on these topics. So we are so honored to have you as part of our panel tonight, Jeanette. Kelly, you had your Moderna vaccine, and I know that you were prepared to share your experience. This is very topical. Many people out there are wondering, is it a problem for me to be vaccinated because I have lymphedema? What is the experience for a lymphedema patient? And you have firsthand experience, so I would love for you to share what you've been through. Certainly. Um, I did a lot of research because with my lymphedema being like and affecting my organs um, and all this lymphatics is messed up, I was trying, I did a lot of research and when the Moderna came back with having uh, potential lymphatic swelling, I was like, hmm. So I, I'll be honest with you, I really didn't necessarily want to get it, but I also know I'm high risk with all the damage to my lungs and stuff. And so I was, this one came up. And I said, okay, I'm going to get this one. So I kind of put a toolbox together, you know, focusing on like, well, okay, make sure I, I, you have to become very regimented. I think you should be prepared for, mm -hmm. because I've seen a lot of posts on the Facebook groups and stuff about the same issues that they're having. And uh, the first shot, it went uh, really, I haven't got the second one yet, but the first shot, the first day, normal shot, you know, and uh, the second day, it, you know, with all the damage here, I literally started having trouble breathing and stuff. But then again, having people like Jeanette, like trained therapists teach me like breathing techniques. I started doing those throughout the day. Um, more pumping. I mean, just be prepared for this to happen to you. Um, most people feel it the second one. So the next podcast, we might have a little different story um because I may be doing more, but like it lasted for about four or five days. I still have a little trouble uh, breathing, getting all the fluid out. I mean, I see it on my different things I do, but I just want, want you to be prepared and not be shocked because it can happen. It's not long-term. And I'm just trying to tell you, get your toolbox ready and don't be shocked. If you get the Moderna, just be ready to pump MLD, make sure you wear your compression. Um, if you have issues like I do with lymphedema and your truncal, like your central lymphatics, make sure you're doing a lot of breathing techniques as well to help move that limp um yeah so it is I've, i haven't really heard or seen much with the pfizer it's like some people have some people have like other issues mm -hmm. like traditional issues but and i'm not trying to discourage you just trying to tell you be prepared because if you're high yeah. risk 
I really think you should get the shot. Like, and like so far, I haven't seen any negative effects with any of them. And I will tell you, when I got the anthrax vaccination, that was 10 times worse than anything with the COVID. I bet. That thing was horrible. I have to say, I don't have lymphedema. And I had the Moderna vaccine and my arm hurt really bad. But I also had such hope of returning to somewhat of a normal life. And I think we all can sort of nod and, and we understand and we respect everybody's individual point of view when it comes to vaccines. But we also know that especially if you have underlying conditions, it is very wise to get the vaccine, whichever one that is available to you. And oh, to get back to normal life, we wanna say hi to Cindy Merrill from Orange Park, Florida and Robert from Pennsylvania. And Nate Geller is on the line and he wants to know about an elevation pillow. I had a question that came in from the audience Someone was wondering about elevation. If you're sitting in a chair and elevate, or if you are reclined and elevating, is there a preference? Is there something better? Now, we're not giving medical advice, but from your personal experience, maybe Mary or Kim or Kelly, Jeanette, anybody can weigh in. What about elevation? What's the best way to do it? I spend most of my time in a recliner. That's honest goodness truth. If I'm sitting still, it's in a recliner to keep my legs up. I mean, we have dinner. I go to a recliner. If we're playing games, um, everybody knows that I have a limited window where that works. I will tell you this. I have gotten a vibration plate that I put my legs on that kind of helps. like with Because it's all about creating like limp flow without creating limp is like my thing. Because I get so much stuck here. And so the vibration plate helps some, but eventually like... Most of the time, I keep slightly reclined and my legs are always elevated. Like, this is hours my limit with my legs down. Yeah. What about you, Mary? I see you nodding. Elevation is an important component of managing your lymphedema. Exercise, elevation, and compression are the three sort of pillars of lymphedema management. So what do, what do you do? So um, as far as at night, um, and Jeanette actually put a link there to a good uh, pillow, like it's like that you can use. I use a foam, a memory foam wedge. Um, so I'm always elevating when I'm sleeping. That makes a really big difference for me. As far as just, you know, normal day, if I'm watching TV or, you know, like uh, Kelly said, playing games, um, I always have my feet up. I even... <laughs> will put my, lay on the couch with my left unaffected leg up and have my right leg even higher up on the, the back of the couch if you can, if you can get up there. <laughs> um, one thing that I have to note is I have, uh, due to some complications from surgery, I have a pretty bad knee for my right knee. Might end up with a knee replacement as well. Hopefully not, but we will see. Cam, I will be calling you if that ever happens to me. Um, but my knee, uh, can get pretty sore if it's locked or overextended. So I always make sure that it's not a straight line. I like to have a little bit of the bend in the knee. Um, so for instance, with my foam wedge, I kind of, uh, curve it with pillows to make sure that I'm not having that overextension. I don't know if anyone, if Cam can attest to that, but with bad knees, sometimes it's, it's too much on your knee. So Cam is getting ready to weigh in on that, even though the name in his scream says Mar Mary Castleberg. We can't have that. Everybody, that's Cam Ayella. Yeah. <laughs> we all know and um, love. I, um, before my surgery, I, I drive a lot for work. I have a pretty large territory. So I have a lot of window time, as we call it. So my legs are flat which is obviously not, especially when there's a lot of traffic bumper to bumper in Houston where I live. It's basically uh, a little roller that I, I'll use. So when I'm at a stop or when traffic's really bad, I'll just kind of use that on my, you know, my upper thigh to kind of get that fluid moving as best yeah. as I can. And um, even just kind of ankle movements, just to kind of stimulate that calf muscle, anything I can do, kind of like Kelly was saying, how can I move limp without creating limp? Um, and elevation has helped me too, but, you know, for a lot of patients who work in offices, you know, you can't just have your feet propped up, you know, your boss may 
frown upon that. So I, I mentioned in a previous round table, there's things like the trampolette. It's a little lymphedema miniature trampoline you can keep under your desk to slightly elevate, but also stimulate the lymphatics too. So those are some modalities that have helped me in the past. That's excellent. I love that. And especially the driving situation. That's very cool. What about you, Catherine? Catherine Rosenberg is a prime, well, actually you're a secondary, secondary. lymphedema patient. Mm-hmm. You beat cancer. And mm-hmm. you are with us, and I love it. And Nazarene Starner, one of our favorite certified lymphedema therapists, just showed up as well. Nazarene, we're so glad to have you here because we got lots of questions. We're talking <laughs> about elevation. Do you have any specific personal recommendations from your own personal experience, Catherine? So um, I'm kind of like him. Um, I don't have a knee replacement, but I have a total hip on the lymphedema side. So, and I know he said when he first started, and I do apologize, it wasn't on video, um, about, you know, surgical procedures. Unfortunately, in two weeks, I actually have to have one on my lymphedema replaced hip. Um, I actually um, have two muscles that um, are torn, and they can only fix one of them. Um, The sports medicine doctor actually told me that um, I... uh, basically have an injury that a professional football kicker gets and can't be repaired for one of them. So we have to fix the other one. Um, So, but for me, elevation is really hard because I am a high school math teacher and we're not necessarily allowed to sit down. So I teach four hours straight in a row. um, And then I only get 30 minutes, about 35 minutes. And then I teach another hour straight in a row. Mm -hmm. Um, So typically... I get up an hour earlier to do my lymph press before I even leave for work. And then when I get home, I'll do it for an hour or possibly two, depending on what my leg is doing on a given day. Um, because I have to kind of work my swelling control around my job, <laughs> unfortunately. So um, I do try as best as I can to kind of lean or not put full weight on as doable. But unfortunately, that's kind of hard when you're trying to stand up at a board teaching mess. Mm, Understood, understood. Well, you know, elevation, like I said, is a core component of managing your lymphedema. And we don't want to assume that everybody that's on our roundtable webinar tonight understands every aspect of lymphedema. So there are some really good questions that have come in that might be very basic, but it's good for everybody to know. And Nazreen, since you've joined us, I'm going to throw this one at you, which is from an anonymous attendee wanting to know the difference between primary and secondary lymphedema. Can you help us out with that explanation? Okay. Um, so how I always describe it to people is primary lymphedema. Uh, I'll describe it as somebody who's born with some type of impairment to their lymphatic system, whether they're missing lymph nodes, vessels, uh, throughout anywhere within their body, or things just aren't quite set up right. That's kind of the basic. Secondary is usually as a result of some sort of damage to the lymphatic system, whether it's lymph nodes being removed, chemotherapy, radiation, trauma, infection, injury. Uh, There can be a lot of different things that can affect the lymphatics as well as comorbidities. So it could be something like obesity or chronic venous insufficiency or cardiac concerns or kidney concerns that can tax the lymphatic system and cause this type of secondary lymphedema. Excellent explanation. And one of the things that I've learned and I'm still learning, and aren't we all on a learning curve? It's a constant learning curve that sometimes the lymphedema is there and it is a triggering event that exposes it. So what may seem to be secondary lymphedema, meaning you had something happen and boom, there it is. It was actually latent and it was there all the time. So the main thing though is whether it's primary or secondary, managing it. And Jeanette, you might want to weigh in on this. Managing it is crucial. That's why lymphopress, the pneumatic compression pumps that we provide are so important along with other modalities. But management is a real key. So it doesn't progress. Am I correct in stating that, Jeanette? Yes, uh, absolutely. You know, I think um, 
you know, everybody's always um, hoping for a cure for lymphedema. And I'm very optimistic that, you know, it'll one day come. But until that day, you want to make sure that your limb health, or maybe it might be in your torso or your uh, face, or even in your general region, that it is super well managed. And so that at the very least, the status quo, not having it progress is already such a victory, you know, because left by itself, left to its own devices, lymphedema will progress. Yeah. So absolutely, managing it and uh, keeping it under in check is great. And that's the thing, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, I used my pump a few times, I look better, I can quit it now. And I would say, wouldn't everybody at this round table shake their heads and say, no, 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 that is not the answer. Stick with it. Now, we have a question from Stephen High. Though we are not offering medical advice at the round table, I would have to say, he's saying, I use the pump once a day. It was taking care of my swelling for a good while, but recently I'm experiencing a situation where the pump isn't reducing the swelling like it used to. Is there something I can do to alleviate this condition? And I have to wonder, Stephen, and I am not your doctor, but were you prescribed once a day or were you prescribed twice or even three times a day? Because sometimes adding in another pump session might be just the answer you need. Again, we're not offering medical advice, but does anybody want to weigh in on what Stephen might be experiencing and maybe just once enough. Go ahead, Jeanette, go for it. Um, well, you know, I think that um, what is important to recognize, not only for lymphedema, but for so many other health conditions, is that it's multifactorial. So you might be doing your lymphopress like once a day diligently, but what else has changed in your life? Have you exercised differently? Have you have you changed your diet? Have you undergone more stress? Did you, you know, undergo a, a job change that is now more stressful because um, that might affect your sleep, which definitely affects not only your lymphedema, but everything. So I, I, I wonder if maybe you can maybe take a look at the other aspects of your life and see what could be um, sources of inflammation and increased, you know, swelling. Because diet can also be a factor. Go ahead, Kelly. Of course, diet. Plays in, but I will, I'll, Jeanette hit one and I will tell you, I, I tell people this, find your peace. Um, because I, one thing I learn is like with me, as soon as I get stressed, I swell like whoop and then, then whoop. And so little changes like that could like, are hugely like throw you backwards. And so mm -hmm. try to find your peace. And it's kind of funny, like you have more motivation to be the calm, <laughs> you know, well, that we're that that actually goes right into, and Angela, I feel like I've neglected you because you always have <laughs> such great things to say. You sent me a message, mind your mind. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's physical, but it's also mental. How we manage life, not just Very. our physical conditions, but our emotional conditions. And there's an emotional component to all of this as well. So I want to give you the floor for a minute, Angela, go for it. Well, the past two to three weeks, I've been on several pity parties and I just wanted to be free from, I have both the lipedema and the lymphedema. I just wanted to be free. So I decided I, you know, I'll just do what I want to do. And that didn't work out well. But anyway, um, I found that I was telling myself a lot of things like this is terrible. It's never going to go away. The things I was telling myself were true things, but the way I was, the narrative was not good. And I was saying, you know, just why, why are you even bothering? It's not going to go anywhere. Just, you know, deal with it. And I and my pity parties got really, really bad. So I had to step back and I really had to change my thinking. And I had to say, well, you may not be able to cure it. It may not go away, but you can manage it. And that's always the operative word for lymphedema is management. And so I really had to have some serious talks with myself. I had to get back on track, leave the sugar alone. And um, I'm, I'm the type of person, I love anything made out of flour. Flour, <laughs> is, we call it cake. So I, I really had to back away from that. I just felt so helpless. And I think at some point we all may experience a just a helplessness. And I felt so helpless for two to three weeks. And I just, I honestly didn't want to feel any better mentally. I just wanted to give up. 
So I think it's very important to piggyback off what Kelly said. You have to be positive. You have to manage the stress, eliminate the stress of whatever you have to do, but you just can't have too many pity parties because sometimes you don't want to leave them. What you've just said has spoken to so many people, Angela, because no matter who's watching tonight, whether they're going through managing their lymphedema or something else, Sometimes you just want to say, forget about it. I just give up. But then you end up in this spiral. And I think the reason we do these roundtables is because the way out of the spiral is connection. Mm -hmm. Knowing that there are other people walking this walk with you that genuinely care about it. And we want every person on this webinar to know tonight, we haven't figured it all out. We haven't Mm -hmm. mastered life. But we have learned that linking arms together, we can get through anything. And Mm -hmm. so I really thank you for being so candid and honest, Angela, because it's not a cakewalk. And that makes me want cake (laughs) and carbohydrates. But I've also learned that that's not the answer. So thank you for sharing that. And I hope that that helps many of you out there. You know, we have had some questions about nerve pain and Sandy Martz has asked, she's from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and we are so glad you're with us tonight, Sandy. She found that she had lymphedema in her left leg after she had her left knee replaced. And as much, she tries to move as much as she can, but she deals with a lot of nerve pain in her left leg and wants to know, is this normal? Could someone weigh in on that? Maybe Nazreen, you have something to share. Oh, Catherine, before we go to Nazreen, go in, jump on in. <laughs> okay, so I actually have experienced um, nerve pain to the point of my, my leg being completely numb for about 10 months. Um, and it, they actually ruled it to be because my swelling was so much at the time um, that it, the lymph, my lymphedema was pushing too much on the nerve and compressing it. So it can be normal for somebody, but um, my thing was, is I had to change up what I was doing management wise to um, adjust and see if that would assist. Um, And that was kind of my thought on when that person had mentioned about, you know, um, the pump not, you know, working besides using the pump an additional time, you know, do you need to change up what you're doing besides the pump? Because the pump is not a miracle fix to make lymphedema go away. You have to do something else to manage. Um, It helps to decrease and control it, but it doesn't manage it during the day when you're weight bearing and doing other things. Mm -hmm. So I have a wide collection of um, compression devices, I will call them. Um, that I have to, that I use and I switch them up when I notice that what I'm using is no longer meeting my expectations of what I know my leg can handle. So I switch up the compression um, devices that I use depending on how, how my body is reacting to it. Excellent. Thank you for weighing in from your personal experience, Catherine. And on this topic of nerve pain, does anybody else want to weigh in and share some insight on the nerve pain. Go ahead, Cam. So coming from someone who literally just had a knee replacement, I know exactly what you're going through with the nerve pain. I deal with it, I'd say 25 hours out of the day because it feels like it's more than 24 hours because it can be so debilitating at times, the, the nerve pain and just kind of those intermittent pins and needles that can literally shoot up your entire leg for some patients. Mm-hmm. And when I was recently discharged from the hospital this past Friday, one thing that helped me tremendously, and this isn't just a plug for lymphopress, but it truly helped me as a patient, was using my Optimal Plus. And the great thing about the Optimal Plus is, is I was able to actually turn off the chambers that went over my knee because I still have the incisions mm-hmm. in there. So I was able to compress my entire leg, skip over the knee and move all the way up to my upper thigh. And that worked tremendously on some of that neuropathy nerve pain that's been pretty persistent uh, since the the knee replacement. Thank you so much for weighing in on that. And our friend Evelyn Rivers is out there. She emailed me earlier today. She treats her upper and lower extremity lymphedema with her lymphopress and has had great success. And we're so excited about that. 
she wants to know if she still needs compression garments. And, you know, Kelly, you always talk about having many tools in your toolbox. You do the same thing, Mary, and all of you. So what would you say to our friend Evelyn Rivers? Does she also need compression garments in addition to her lymphopress? Absolutely. I mean, it's absolutely you need them. If, if your body costs them, again, I don't know if you know where your damage is or what's going on. I don't need them on my arms anymore, um, but everywhere else, yeah. So, because um, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I even have a nighttime garment I wear on my head. Wow. I mean, so. How many of you here who have lymphedema also use compression garments? Yeah, okay. <laughs> So the majority of our panel who has lymphedema, everybody in fact, who has lymphedema on our panel also uses compression garments. It is a matter of many tools in your toolbox. Go ahead, Jeanette. I don't have lymphedema and I have compression garments. So it's just, I think, I, I think that there are just lots of benefits to wearing compression and compression therapy in general. So I was going to make a joke and say, I wear Spanx. And let me tell you, <laughs> it works for what I need it for, but I agree. Mary, what did you want yeah. to add? So I get that question a lot, uh, you know, working for lymphopress and working with the patients who, and all of the patients I work with know that I have lymphedema. Um, that's something that's very important to me that they know that I also struggle with it. And the way that I like to describe it is gravity is not our friend when we have lymphedema. And so the pump really helps to decrease the fluid. The compression garments are going to be what keeps that reduction down as every single time you're standing up or you're sitting down with your legs down, compression, gravity is working against you. And compression is our biggest, um, armor <laughs> against yeah. that to really keep the work that you've been working so hard on down. Um, people ask if I go without compression, really the longest time I go is if I'm taking a shower <laughs> uh, and I put it right back on afterward. I wear it in the pool, I wear it at the beach. Um, you know, I always have my compression on, so. And this was a progression for you because there was a time in your life where you shied away from it because you didn't want it to highlight that you had a condition, but you've learned it pays to wear your compression. It definitely does. So I first got diagnosed um, in the seventh grade. So if everyone can think back to when they were in middle school and how much of a horrible time it was, and then have a, a fat leg on the, on the side of it, um, you know, of course I tried to hide it and I was very insecure. Um, I know, you know, I think everyone has insecurities regardless of whether or not they have lymphedema. Um, but I would not, I tried, you know, for several months to not wear it. I went to a private school where I had to wear a skirt. They wouldn't let me wear pants. Um, but quickly I learned I was so uncomfortable and so much pain that I learned I had to, had to get over it because that, you know, you really, you do need to do what's best for your body because when you're yeah. doing what's best for your body, that's what you're doing. I mean, that's going to help your mind as well. It's going to help you feel better all the way around. And we've had lots of chat come in since you spoke, Angela, about how you are an inspiration. It is important that we're honest here, mm -hmm. that we don't, gloss over this condition and say, oh, you're going to get a pump and you're the rest of your, and you're going to live happily ever after. But it certainly is an important tool. And I know you say it's the only tool in your toolbox, Angela. You love your Olympopress. I and do. We're, I do. We're so glad for that. Now we have a question for Robert Schneier and I feel for him because he says, in my area, I don't really have a lymphedema team, and my primary doctor is not well-versed with the treatment of lymphedema. So Nazreen, I'm going to pose this of you. A patient who knows they have lymphedema but doesn't have a well-versed team, what do you recommend for them? Should they download everything they can from Google and walk it in and be their own advocate? What do you recommend? I would recommend them trying to connect with somebody who is a lymphedema therapist or a doctor, even if that means they have to travel. I've, 
I'm in Cleveland. I've definitely had people drive up from West Virginia and even just having an hour or two with a trained therapist or with a doctor has really made a tremendous difference. If there's any way now with technology that they could do a, um, a video like what we're doing right now, that would probably be really helpful for them. I'm, I'm sure they could connect with the doctor over the the internet or video conference with somebody. Sometimes some of the stuff that's online is very subjective and it can be a little bit scary. So I would try to hold off from looking at all of that. Uh, although there is a, a great amount of information that is very factual. It's just hard if you're looking on your own. I, I definitely do like the NLN website. Learn is a wonderful resource as well. Excellent. And so we know NLN is a great resource. We also know Learn is a great resource, but since you're at the table tonight, Jeanette, what would you recommend to patients who feel like their team doesn't really understand this condition? Yeah, you know, it, it's really hard um, because you need to have like that first line of defense and in terms of the doctor being on your side and helping you diagnose because, you know, it's even when I, as I continue to manage the NLN account, we get calls all the time saying like how the doctors just totally disregarded the patient's symptoms earlier on. And then as it progressed, still continue to disregard the symptoms. And only when it was like very advanced in terms of its presentation, did the doctor say, okay, maybe you need a little help. Meanwhile, if, if, if the symptoms earlier on were just totally recognized, honored, and we could have treated it at a time where the skin changes weren't apparent and weren't even present, it would have been so much better. Um, so, you know, I, I would say, unfortunately, in some of these areas where you don't have um, a lot of lymphedema specialists near you, um, like I agree with Nazarene that, you know, a drive to the closest one might be a good idea. Um, and, you know, doctors, they don't absolutely need to have a specialty in lymphology to make a, a, a referral. So if you can just advocate and say, listen, doc, um, I think I might have lymphedema. Um, you know, can you help me diagnose it? And if you can't do it yourself, can you maybe point me to another doctor who could, or maybe I, I can get a lymphedema consult from a lymphedema specialist and just see what their thoughts are. And then they can communicate with you. Because um, sometimes a lymphedema specialist might be closer, um, but the doctor, a, refer a doctor who's on board with the referral, you know, it might take a little bit of gentle coaxing, you know, and, um, and yeah, and so I think, I think that there, there are definitely resources out there, but unfortunately, sometimes that first step requires a little bit of self-advocacy. Yeah, we well, you know we've made great strides, even in the eight years since I've been working in this field. There's so much more knowledge than there used to be, and yet there's still more ground to cover. And I'm sure, Catherine, you've experienced in your lymphedema journey how much the community has evolved and that there are far more resources and awareness, and that only serves to help us all. That's why we do these roundtables. That's why LymphaPress is an advocate for the lymphedema community. The more people know, the more they are empowered and they can walk into their healthcare professionals and be their own advocate. And we also are so honored to work with so many great healthcare professionals. Nazreen, you're here, you're one of them and you're here to help people. So it's awesome. I'm gonna move on to another question that came in from two different people. Do you wear your compression at night when you're sleeping? Who wants to answer? Go ahead, Catherine. And then I'd so, like to hear from um, others. Depending on the day, um, it depends on what type of compression I use. So I have certain types of, I will call them oven mitt type compression garments for nighttime is the best way to describe them. It's kind of what they look like. Um, other times, if my leg is really severe, um, my lymphatic surgeon has given me the okay to wear my flat knit uh, compression garment overnight, but not a circular knit because the circular knit can act more like a tourniquet as you're reducing and can cause more of a problem um, because it's number one, it's really not made to you, whereas my flat knit is made to my leg um, and it doesn't roll down. Um, but that's on a very rare occasion. 
that I do that. And that's only more so for me because I'm up in New Jersey in the humidity um, in the summertime. Um, that's really when that unfortunately does have to happen. But for the most part, I try to go between my two technical nighttime garments themselves. Um, they do enough for that. What about you, Cam? Do you wear compression at night when you sleep? For the past 22 years, that has been my go-to is my nighttime garments because when I was younger and, and you know, because Mary was talking about earlier when you're a teenager and you have lymphedema and you don't want to wear your compression garment out in public um, or living in Houston, Texas, which not to one-up you, Catherine, is probably way more humid than Jersey. Um, yeah, it's it just is. really, really hot. <laughs> so it's, it's not comfortable at all. So in the earlier stages of my lymphedema journey, when I was not all about the compression ecosystem around the clock, I would find that one thing that I knew I could be consistent with, which was always my nighttime garment. And coincidentally, it's the same one that Catherine's talking about. It's kind of that foam chip oven mitt, which um, is really easy to don and off and, and really comfortable to sleep in and, and ultimately really effective. And in most cases, uh, obviously consult with your lymphedema therapist, but a lot of those foam chip garments are a great adjunct to wear underneath while using your lymphopress. I've been doing that for four years now and it has made major strides on reducing my fibrosis. Okay, Mary, you are nodding, nodding, nodding. So I agree with Cam. I've recently been doing the foam uh, chip kind of oven mitt garment underneath my lymphopress. Um, it is awesome. Uh, I just saw a chat pump up for a link to get them. A lot of times it is something where it will be from the same people who are going to get your stockings. Uh, your lymphedema therapist will have some good options for you. And just like Cam and I are compression therapy consultants for Lymphopress, they have compression therapy. Um, Sigvaris is a really great company to look at their nighttime garments, but a lot of times they're going to require some measurements. So it's not something, unfortunately, that you can just kind of order off Amazon um, to make work for you. As far as what I do at night, I used to bandage every night. Um, happily after my surgeries I am now able to just elevate but I also had a myriad of the foam garments as well and I even have some now technically for nighttime that I'll wear on Saturdays or Sundays when I'm home just around the house because sometimes to switch it up is great for lymphedema um, so instead of my flat knit if I'm not going to be going outside and, you know, having to stuff that into shoes, because it's a little hard to do that. <laughs> um, I'll wear that around the house. And did you say, Kelly, that you're wearing compression also at night? I wear my head garment. I don't wear um, regular compression. I'm working with Eleanor right now on, uh, I'm an engineer, so you know me, I'm always trying to perfect something. And like the truncal garment, because I'll be honest with you, I'll straight up tell you, I hate every commercial um, trunk of garment, only because for me, that's where my damage is, and everything pushes it right there, and nothing mm. pushes it out. And so mm -hmm. all that fluid builds there, and what happens then is I wind up with a lot of breathing and congestion issues. Mm -hmm. But um, the night, and I did, I do have them for my arms and legs, um, but again, if I keep my trunk low, everything else stays pretty low. Um, but amazingly, I will tell you one thing that, that even though they sound like oven mitts, like I said, I have one around my head. They're not hot. You would think like, oh, I'm going to be sweating. You're not. It's not. It's They're really nice. Mm -hmm. For me, the nighttime compressions are my favorite. Mm -hmm. We also had a question come in about wearing compression underneath the lymphopress when you're using it. So does anybody want to speak to that? And again, we're not giving medical advice. This is anecdotal from people who are using lymphopress who have lymphedema or general medical advice. Anybody want to weigh in on that? I'd like to hear from uh, Jeanette Nazarene from the lymphedema therapy perspective on it because I, I never do wear my flat intercircular knit garments underneath while I pump. I just wear the foam chip ones because I've heard mixed things online. So I'd be curious to get the two uh, CLT's perspective on the topic because it's a great question. 
Thank you. Um, I'll start. Um, you know, I think um, to me, I mean, obviously we can always do research to verify this, but to me, it's a little counterintuitive in terms of reaping the benefits of the pump because the pump, it requires for like a sequential, right? Um, you know, a movement of the chambers um, and therefore the fluid. If you have the compression garment on, technically speaking, it should already be good like you've already established a gradient and the the forces of the pump should at least be equal to so it, it in, ter in terms of the garment it, so it's not going to really be able to um exceed that of the garment you know necessarily unless you're wearing like a 15 to 20 um so for me, although th this is just my intuitive response, I would say that you won't see as much benefit when you're wearing the compression garment, um, but you never know. Yeah, and always follow your doctor's advice as well. We honor the medical professionals that are out there caring for you. This is really intended to let you see that you're part of a community. And we're happy to be a part of your community. And I can't believe how quickly these hours go by. Nazreen, is there anything you wanted to add to what Jeanette said? You know, I have definitely had patients who have worn their circular knit and their flat knit garments underneath pumps and ended up with skin integrity issues from it cutting into them. And it may be just so that the garment fit great underneath there, but it slid, you know, while it was pumping and then it started to kind of roll up. So I always advise patients to take them off, but I have had patients use nighttime garments or um, we, we make all sorts of stuff with chip foam in our clinic. So we've made stuff if they have really stubborn spots and it really works well to break down any fibrotic tissue that they may have. I find that the foam with the pump really does a nice job and I've never had any issues with uh, skin breakdown with that. Good, excellent. So I want to just mention Lorraine Robson, who is out there tonight, 92 years old. We honor you, Lorraine, you're amazing. She said it took many tears to finally get her lymphedema diagnosis. And, you know, for those of you out there who may be discouraged that you have been diagnosed with lymphedema, thank goodness you were diagnosed mm -hmm. because with a diagnosis, you can then start to manage this condition. Mm -hmm. Instead of having it control you, you can control it. So we applaud you, Lorraine. We're so glad that you're here for the roundtable tonight. And here we are 10 minutes away from closing out tonight's roundtable. So I want you each at the roundtable to think about one thought that you would like to impart. I know, Kim, you had some great ideas to talk about what's the one thing that you are thankful for that lymphedema has provided you. And that might seem to be a little bit of a counterintuitive question, but I've got to ask you, what are you thankful for that lymphedema has provided you? Yeah. Um, and that's a tough question because, you know, I, I can't just look on a sheet of paper and do a tally mark for the positives versus the negatives, right? It's not binary. One wins that way, one wins that way. What having lymphedema has given me, uh, specifically the past year and a half, is it's really helped me realize what my purpose is in this life. And that is to help as many lymphedema patients as I can. Um, not just for myself in my own health, but if I have, you know, children in the future and they, you know, inherit lymphedema, I want to make sure I've done everything in my power to not only educate myself, but the greater powers that be, the United States healthcare system, the insurance companies, so that they don't have to fight as hard as the lymphedema warriors are fighting today and the ones that have passed. So I'm thankful that it's given me a purpose and a passion to wake up every morning to not only control my lymphedema, but to help patients get their quality life even just a little bit better because it makes a big difference in the end. I have found that, and I think we could all agree that the pain and the challenges that we face in life give us empathy and make our hearts bigger. And 
you are definitely an example of that, Kim, and we so appreciate that. And your lymphedema has been a source of inspiration to a lot of people. And for that, we are all very grateful. So I want you all to think about the final thought you want to leave everyone with. And I'm going to go to you, Mary. Go for it. What would you like to say to our audience tonight? Um, so I think that the... The best thing is to, in any situation, like you just said, to take what's given to you and what happens to you and make, make some part of it beautiful and some part of it good. You know, we can't control everything that happens to us, but we truly can control what we make of it. Um, it doesn't mean that, you know, if you just got diagnosed and you're looking at all of us lymphedema uh, patients on this round table, it doesn't mean that you might find you want to work on in it. You might never want to do anything as far as a career with it. And we don't need to. Um, and like Angela said, you know, it's not all, it's not all roses and rainbows for us <laughs> either. The, just the other day, I had a day where my leg was aching so bad and I wished I could, you know, it, I was like, wow, I, you know, this is important for me to note because sometimes because my lymphedema is so well managed, I don't think about it. It sounds funny, but I don't, I don't think about it much. And then when I have days like that, you really are, remember what the struggle is really like. And so I think just taking every day and saying, how can I make this situation better? And how can I bring some good into it? Um, like Cam was saying, I'm so grateful that I have it. Uh, I would not, if I had the chance to go back and never have it, I would have it every single time because it has truly taught me what's important and how to how to really give back to the people who have done amazing things for you and you sure do mary <laughs> thank you Catherine rosenberg you knew i was going to call on you <laughs> what would you like to leave our guests with tonight and listen we're, we're sorry we couldn't get to every question we know some of you have actually asked for how we can connect you with a local medical professional feel free to email me after this webinar. I can connect you to your local compression therapy consultant mm -hmm. who would be happy to connect you with their network of professionals. We would be honored to serve you in that way. Go for it, Catherine. So for me, um, I those that know me know that I like to have fun with my compression, meaning you will never, ever, ever see me wear beige. Okay, so as a high school math teacher, um, last week, one of my kids said to me, Ms. Rosenberg, why is your one leg pink and your other one is normal? And they asked me if I was wearing a sports sock on one and what sport I was going to train for. So I got to educate them a little bit and they got to realize, now I'm a, not only just a regular math teacher, I'm actually a special education math teacher. So they got to see that their teacher not only understands how they learn, but they, she also has a medical situation that she works with, deals with every single day. So I was able to impact them to the point that one of them came to me and was like, I don't know how you do it every day. I love it. And by the way, that explains all the equations behind you on that whiteboard. Cause I, I felt like I was on the big bang theory and trying to figure out what you had going on back there, Catherine. So yeah, math teacher, Catherine, helping and encouraging young people and others with lymphedema wear that pink proudly girlfriend. Absolutely. Kelly Bell, you're wearing a t-shirt that I know you have some parting thoughts for everyone, but tell everybody about your shirt. Uh, it's the, um, uh, it's a global virtual um, lymphedema walk, April 17th, 2021, learn, um, you can sign up, we're all going to do it, um, they want us taking pictures all around the world, sending them in to learn, um, it, we usually do that, used to do this in person, and hopefully we'll do this again in person, um, to help um, raise awareness and funding for research and education for lymphatics. Um, for me, this, having lymphedema has been a perspective, like perspective. I mean, I spend four hours a day taking care of my lymph. I mean, that's, that's what I have to do. Because of my, huh? It's a part-time job. Yeah, I mean, you, when you like seven hours sleep is what I need, four hours a day, there's 11 hours of my day 
just taking care of this. Like, but to me, I mean, the alternative is like, you know, I mean, like the guy, when people ask about doctors 16 years into this, I still don't have a doctor that understands. Like, you know, I went to a doctor recently for an issue and he was like, how does your doctor treat you? And I was like, well, he doesn't. So, I mean, but when it comes to limp stuff right now, it's pretty much still on me, but doesn't mean I get, it's still my issue. So it doesn't mean I just wait. So, no, in fact, you have posters all over your room there and you're an expert in the lymphatic the system. Yeah. You know, you'd be surprised. Knowledge is power and there's a lot of knowledge out there. So mm -hmm. be empowered. We encourage our audience to be empowered. Absolutely. I, I'm saving you for last, Angela, because you always make me want to take up a collection at the end <laughs> because you're always so encouraging. I want to go to you, Jeanette. Are there any final thoughts that you'd like to leave our audience with tonight? Yes. And if I may have like three full minutes and then I'll leave Angela, like if we can go over a little bit or are we. Yeah, okay. And then I'm going to go to Nazreen and then Angela. So oh. let's do this. Oh, okay. So basically I wanted to explain because, you know, we talked about elevation in the beginning and obviously um, some of our panelists have like, you know, orthopedic issues with the knees, but basically, you know, with, um, the leg, uh, something that happens a lot with um, patients with leg lymphedema is they have like an altered gait and they start to stand um, in, a, in an altered way when you're just like standing for a prolonged period of time. And when you hang on your ligaments, when you're just standing there to make, e make it easier for you and for you to basically save energy, you hang on your ligaments. So obviously your knee is like this, right? And then, you know, you hang on your ligaments, it starts to go the other way. And then that's when you start to bend, when you start to put some pressure on your hamstrings and overstretch it, you start to develop orthopedic issues. And so now that's going to affect your um, gait, that, and then that's going to affect the biomechanics. And so now every step you take, it's going to be like, um, you know, um, putting a lot of stress in the knees. And then you can develop things like Baker's cysts. Um, and so I guess what I'm trying to say here is that it's really important to basically make sure that you're always running everything by your medical team because things like that, like if you just go to like a physical therapist and get a postural assessment, they will be able to see this. It's called genuine curvatum. And they will tell you which muscles you need to strengthen to counteract that. And, and basically preserve your mechanics. So um, as that goes into elevation, a lot of times when people elevate, they only put um, their foot on a supportive surface. So then now you have a, a heavy leg and then the knee is not being supported and it does the same thing. Wow. So, yeah. So I just thought that that would be interesting. So anyway, point is um, go to your healthcare professional. And the thing that I'd like to um, uh, impart everybody with is that I think that if you can look at your body as this amazing canvas and every day you're just shaping it and coloring it differently, it's like you're, think of yourself as a sculptor. I mean, it's, it's much easier when you don't have a medical condition, like people who are just trying to bodybuild or get toned and fit. But even if you do have lymphedema and another medical condition, Think of it as you just being an artist and you're sculpting your body and you literally kind of do that with the bandaging and with other you know tools in your toolbox oh beautifully said i love it we're running out of time nazreen any final thoughts for our audience and if someone could put in chat the foam information people are wanting to know what that foam situation is go ahead nazreen i guess i would just say for everyone to stay strong and uh, keep trying and that there's many of us out here who want to help you. And there's a lot more education for the medical staff that's been happening about lymphedema in the past couple of years. So there's more help to come and a lot more research being done. So I, I wish everyone well. Beautiful. And we're so glad you were with us. All right, Angela, we're ready. Inspire us before we leave tonight. Um, the one thing that I try to hold on to is that even in my weakness, I have to try to be strong. I want to give up so many times, so many times, and often I do, and I think that's normal, but when you fall, you have to get up. So that's all I have. When you fall, get up, and if you need help, reach out, because help yeah. is available. 
Much appreciation to all of our panelists tonight and to all of you who showed up for tonight's roundtable. It is our honor and privilege to serve you. If you have any questions about LymphoPress, please reach out to me, bviola at medsoulsupplier.com. Until next month, and we'll meet again next month. Have a great night, everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye. See you next month. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Lymphedema Patient Roundtable podcast. You can watch the video on TLC, the Lymphedema channel on YouTube, or on Instagram IGTV at lympha underscore press. For information on the most advanced pneumatic compression therapy in the world, visit lymphapress.com.